is Teach Air, where your airwaves are taken over by two teachers who want to talk about teaching, the joy of working with children, the pains of a broken photocopier, and issues within the world of education. Teach Air aims to connect teachers with teachers. Hi everyone and welcome to the big one, the huge episode that you or just us have been waiting for, the Hogwarts special. <laughs> how are we doing, Jane? Excited. Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, very, very good. Very excited for this. And uh, we had technical difficulties yesterday, so we've been having to uh, put it off. But here we are, ready for it. How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm good. I was actually watching the recording on the screen to make sure we got past that 11 seconds. So I'm feeling good, ready to go. I've yeah. been looking forward to this episode as well, which I think is such a shame that it wouldn't let us do it. Because I'm sat with like the biggest pile of notes you could see about this topic. The only positive for me was that the longer it went, the more things I thought to say, um, which doesn't quite fit in with the fact we're trying to keep it a little bit shorter. But um, there's a lot to get through. There is. Uh, Could be a two-part, I should never know. Yeah, just keep, we'll just keep going with it. It's the, ten the, part. the woman got seven books out of it. I'm sure we can get one podcast. We're going to be all right. But um, speaking of which, so we've called this episode. What have we called it again? I've even forgotten. Uh, Ofsted would place special measures, grade okay. four, the pit. I'm here to tell you why. I couldn't remember then at all. So my friend Phoebe, um, she saw our Instagram post at Teacher Podcast, by the way. And she said, it's really good if you can critique the things that you love. And she said that there's a lot of Harry Potter fans out there who wouldn't say a bad thing about the series. But as we know, there's been quite a lot of... Um, critique about the woman herself lately for and sure it's very healthy i think it's healthy at our age you know with you you're 30 31 31 yeah wow thanks for revealing yeah. that to our so beloved audience. Uh, and i'm 29 and i think yeah we should be at a point in our lives really where we can critique and actually i reread harry potter every summer it's something i do in the summer holidays you know when you're just still a bit tired and you need to just sort of wind back into having a bit of time off, I reread them and every summer I notice something else where I'm like, that's a bit dodgy or that's a bit questionable. Listen, don't crawl yeah, back I'm now. I'm trying, trying to tell JK that you read the books every summer just because we're about to destroy us. <laughs> um, a couple of things that I've got to pick up, uh, namely that I was tagged in the Instagram post as Filch. Tell me a bit about why that happened, please. I just thought it was funny. But, um, if you but, do click on it again, you'll notice I did tag myself as Umbridge, so... Okay, well, that's all right then. That's all right then. Uh, and then the last one is um, just recapping on the fact that in the very first episode, you called me a Slytherin. Can we go over that again, please? Yeah, of course you can, because I, I think this heroin lies the problem, and we're going to talk about this more during the episode. But um, I think J.K. Rowling's actually created a huge divide within the school for obvious reasons. It's reflective of, you know, the outside wizarding world. But Slytherin get a lot of, flack really because they have a really good set of characteristics that I think people ignore they think they're just bad people but Salazar Slytherin based himself on people who were resourceful and cunning and had ambition and why wouldn't so we, you want to be that sort of person we might say just... that students at Hogwarts are, are prejudged and that's something that we can uh, can get into in the main part of our of our episode which is that Ofsted would place Hogwarts in special measures you ready to crack on I think it's time to do it Let's do 
Hogwarts is a special measure school and we are here to tell you why. Now, Martin and I have a history of working together. I think we mention it every episode. Um, and during that time, we've actually been through a couple of Ofsteds together and a HMI inspection. Um, and they're quite interesting experience, I'd say, aren't they, Martin? Yeah, they certainly are. I was quite lucky the first time because I was the sh- uh, student teacher the first time that Ofsted came to our mm. school. Um, so I sort of was was there and involved, but but without really the pressure. I basically became a TA for the, the two days. Uh, so I got to observe it and see it without perhaps the intensity of actually being in the inspection. And then the second one, um, we were in were we in year six when the second one happened? I can't remember. But Yeah, we were. I was an NQT for the first one um, in year five. And then the H- HMI came a few months later. So obviously I was still in year five then. And then the second one, we were both within year six. Our first year in year six together, actually. Yeah, yeah, I do remember. I think they might have even come to me first because they were looking at, I think, was I an NQT or recent? They were looking particularly at like newly qualified or recently qualified teachers. And then obviously they wanted to see year six as well. But to be honest, in those situations, I find that I'm not too bad because I just think, I don't, you know, I, I just do what I normally do. And then if they like it, great. If they don't, well, not that bothered. It's only one or two people's opinions. You can only sort of do your best to do the right thing, can't you? So I find that I'm not too bad, but it's definitely hectic and intense in school and people are there for so many hours. Like people are leaving at like 8 p.m. and stuff. It's it's an awful experience to go through really. But uh, personally, I, I, I think that I cope reasonably well with it. How do you find it? Do you know what? I think I'm the same. I'm, I'm someone who I think, you know, you could always do everything a little bit better. It's a bit like a job interview. You could always go out of it and go, oh, I wish I'd said that. I wish I'd done that. Um, so they can see. But they're only getting a snippet of you and they're not seeing a whole week of everything you do. And I think if you can just show them that actually you are a quality teacher just in the things you normally do anyway, then there's nothing to be worried about and there's nothing to be ashamed of. And I always think, you know, these people aren't in a classroom anyway. Their job is to come and judge us in the classroom, but a lot of them haven't been teachers. They've been managers and that's about it. So you've almost got to take their opinion with a pinch of salt, which is what I think that um, our friend J.K. Rowling should do right now because we are about to go in hard and criticise her schooling. Um, so for those who listen to us outside of the UK, Ofsted is a critiquing framework, we would say. They come in and check schools and inspect schools to see whether they're up to standards and they rate us based on set criteria which they tend to change every year or two really um, and we go from outstanding to um, good and then we have a requires improvement which is um, where they go do you know what you're not quite good enough here we need to come back sooner and then they have um, what we call special measures which is where a school is in crisis. Now as avid Harry Potter fans we know quite a lot about the books and I think we both agreed that they are special measures Requires yeah. improvement, perhaps, but we're looking at a school here where there are a lot of flaws. Um, I think we should just take it away and talk about our opinions of Harry Potter and the school. So, what does Harry Potter mean to you? Well, it means my childhood, really. I think, um, you know, the books when they came out, I was one of those people who get them on the first day and then I'd read the whole book without stopping. Um, mm. When I, when I think about Harry Potter, I just think about, you know, my my entire childhood being captured by... Uh, and I went a long time without watching the films purely because of the impressions I'd made 
uh, from mm. the books. I, I was so invested in the books. But, uh, yeah, it's just the journey that Harry and Hermione and Ron went through in, grow, in growing up was sort of kind of at the same time that I was growing up as well. So I sort of grew up with them, really, and uh, they, they're just fantastic. My personal favourite book is is The Prisoner of Azkaban when Sirius Black same. comes out. Uh, it's nice to have one where Voldemort's not really involved. It's a different. It takes it in a different uh, direction. So that's the one that, that is my favourite. But uh, I also really enjoy sharing Harry Potter with with children in class and bringing them into into oh, the intense. world of of Hogwarts and stuff. So um, yeah, just for me, it's just my childhood. What about you? Yeah, I think the same for me. A little bit of escapism. Um, I was the same. We'll get the book as soon as we physically could. You know, I'd sit there all day. Um, my mum would have to be like, you need to come and eat. And I'd like have the book still pressed into my face because I didn't want to miss anything. And I didn't, you know, it's 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 one of those places where you're, you're just so absorbed by it. And I think it's kind of transcended what the series have done, really, because it, it does become quite consuming. I mean, I'm 30 years old and I've still got, you know, all the books are still laid out on my bookshelves. And, you know, I've been collecting the Ravenclaw special editions, which are beautiful, by the way, the um, blue and copper ones. And, you know, I've been to Harry Potter studio tours, even as an adult, and it was just magical. And, you know, when... Have you been? Yeah, I've been. Uh, I think it's, I've, I've it's, been It's when you walk and... around the corner, isn't it? And you see that castle at the end, because you forget, you see all this beautiful stuff and you forget that they, they haven't showed you the castle. And then you turn that corner and it's it's just breathtaking. Um, it is. That's how I was going to describe it, breathtaking. It really is. That last bit is it's just incredible. The whole thing is 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 amazing, but that bit particularly. And it's the only book that I can reread and, and, and reread and reread and just never get tired of. It's all of them. You know, mm. you can go back to them and they're incredible, really incredible. I'd like to just disclaimer here and just say that we've, we're both quite sad really at how much we love the thing because I think we've tried to shoe on it in quite a lot of lessons over the years but um I think that's okay and I think the fact that in 2020 it's still a huge cultural phenomenon and people are still discovering it is testament to how good it is really and I think it's a shame really that the longer it goes on um the more criticisms we see about it really and I think that's probably testament to the fact that people are so much more adept at calling out criticisms and we're just yeah. more open and receptive to ideas these days so with that in mind we've got a lot to say really we've got it in about six or seven different categories so if this overruns we might end up on a second part so we basically and i mean let's be honest the place is an absolute shambles that i you know i'm glad <laughs> we've got a nice bit out of the way now because you know it's a disgrace at best it's a, it's it's shambolic i would say um you know i can take that it's suited to the demographic of the pupils and stuff but you basic absolute basic curriculum requirements such as like you know english and maths just completely missing um, so that's a starting point for me. Like it's just it's an absolute sham of a of a school, really. Can I hit in from your English and maths here then? So I have I have googled before, like how do wizards learn to read and write and do basic maths before they get to Hogwarts? And apparently homeschooling is big, but obviously we won't see that because it comes from that Muggle perspective. But what really really bothered me, and it's that thing about not meeting needs that you've just briefly touched upon, is that. This is a school where we have muggle-borns. And these poor muggles, you know, grown up, have been watching CITV on a Saturday. 
and they've been going to school and they've been doing like learning about the ancient Greeks and the Egyptians and they've been learning how to do long division and long multiplication and then they get to Hogwarts with a couple of months notice because they find out in July it comes out on Harry Potter's birthday you know very fittingly that letter they have a month to get used to the fact that they're a wizard and then they get there and they're in the dark radio waves don't work they can't phone home there's no sort of transitionary periods where they can get used to just living in an entirely different world segregated from their parents where they've got to rely on sending an owl to get in touch with them there's no there's nothing that will sort of welcome them into the school and embrace them as a part of the school and a valuable membership yeah Um, transition disgraceful absolutely disgraceful yeah and I was thinking like we teach RE as a compulsory subject because RE in essence is a subject about tolerance so why isn't muggle studies at a time where there is a huge issue on tolerating people with a different blood type as they like to say why do they not teach Muggle studies from the off? Why is that essentially a GCSE option if you want to take it and is seen as a soft option? I mean, when we think about inclusion and diversity uh, within the school, it it's, well, it's another thing that's really shocking um, for me. There's a real lack of, of inclusion and there's a real lack of support for people who are uh, Muggle-born or, you know, someone like Nev who lives with his grandma, um, and gets a massive list every summer of things he's got to buy. You know, poor Ron, barely got a, a, uh, any money at all. He has yeah. to buy all new stuff. Um, where's the funding for these pupils? You know, I don't see what Dumbledore's doing with his pupil premium money at all. Considering it's a, it's a funded school, so they fund, they're funded by the government for children to attend that school. And like you say, resourcing is absolutely shocking. The fact that they even have to go and buy it themselves baffles me because I think if the, if the government is funding the schools why aren't they plugging in those sets of books at the start of the year and it's like you say about Neville I mean he's a looked after pupil so for those who are listening maybe from somewhere else we tend to call them LAC L-A-C looks after children we get some funding for those children where we've got to prove that we're spending that money wisely so as an example um we've I've used it once for um horse riding lessons for a child or swimming lessons for a child outside of school and it just gives them that um, additional enrichment and Neville's cutting about with his dad's wand and no wonder it's not working for him do you know what I mean it's not like it's his own one the wand chooses the wizard unless you're poor and then you can't that doesn't matter anymore you just have to get one when um when Neville performs at his best it's when Ollivander in the end makes him his own wand and all of a sudden he's capable of killing giant serpents and you know keeping off death eaters and leading a wizarded army it's only when he's got his own resources that that's, that's happening so uh, there's a bit of an elitist uh, mentality and they're not doing much to bridge the the gap for disadvantaged pupils and i think that probably comes from the governors because how on earth you can have your chair of governors as a, a well-known um death eater um is quite frankly beyond me I would say so, and I think Lucius Malfoy is probably the epitome of the elitism that the school represents, because obviously that figurehead here is a Slytherin. You obviously kicked off at me earlier on about being a Slytherin, which I think you are, and I do think that's a problem. Um, I wonder if you could talk to me about the fact that, and I'm just going to say it, I think there are a lot of staff within the school who are inappropriate 
Well, yeah, I'll start with the big man himself because um, if you want to employ a teacher, I don't feel that you can just go to the random house that you've built on your grounds, which is massively inappropriate, and just choose a big hairy person uh, who got kicked out of school, isn't actually allowed to do magic outside of of the Hogwarts ground, um, definitely isn't qualified, uh, and, and just give him a job as a teacher. I mean, what does that say about, you know, the training, uh, the CPD, the, you know, recruitment process that Dumbledore puts in place? Um, you know, it's very inconsistent because there are, you know, we spoke yesterday, there are great teachers there, um, yeah. But there are a lot of very, very strange appointments that make me think that Dumbledore just basically hides his mates. Um, you know, Quirrell in the first one, absolute shambles of a human being, couldn't couldn't stand up without shaking. Um, okay. There's various others. Um, Snape, who's just essentially a bully. Um, he was, and do you know what? I find it really odd. And actually, I got linked to an article yesterday by um, a friend who said to me, Snape's treatment of Harry and other children is so damaging, including the fact that they were like, if Harry if Harry has this much disdain just simply from being a boy that he hated growing up, so Snape obviously hated Harry's dad, what would it be like if Harry was a daughter? Yeah, big question. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's insane. And I think he's someone who obviously separates or struggles to separate, I should say, personal issues from the classroom. And, you know, that's something that as a teacher we've got to be able to do. We've all had bad days before where you come into school and something's gone on and your head's kind of buzzing from like, right, I've got to teach maths in a minute, but I'm currently, you know, my head's buzzing because this is going on at home and I'm really worried. But you switch it off and you have to for that hour because if you can't do that, you're not fit to be in school at that time. The man is constantly on an agenda. He is. He absolutely is. And the quality of teaching, you know, is, is well, Ofsted would use the word unsatisfactory, wouldn't they? But it's it's worse than that. You know, it's rote learning. It's textbooks. It is, yeah. uh, I, I, there's so many misconceptions that get taught. You know, pupils are taught when they're learning time that they can just go back in time. They're taught when they're doing, you know, something on reflection that they can just look in a mirror and see themselves uh, in their best possible form. It's just misconceptions are being taught. So there's a lack of subject knowledge from the teachers, in my opinion. Um, and that stems from the leadership lacking vision. There's no, I don't really know what, what the leadership want from their teachers. Uh, any school that has a motto of never tickle a sleeping dragon, for me, isn't taking itself seriously. Um at best, I think the teaching styles of, within the school can be considered to be old-fashioned for me. Um, I don't see any assessment for learning going on in lessons. And lessons are like two hours long, aren't they, normally? They seem very long. And there seems to be a lot of sitting down unless you have that active practical lesson. You know, potions. Potions really bothers me in a way because I think that the art of potion making, you know, Snape calls it an exact art. And I'd say it, it is. It requires that level of... Um, detail and attention and it's also probably useful over the years yeah it, it's looked at as a joke and it's almost compared to food tech do you know what I mean like it seems to have that like almost um opinion of it being a soft option which I find really weird yeah and I think Snape quite often pitches his lessons way too high 
and just expects all of his children to get there. And then they'll go to like herbology and they'll just pot like maggots for like two hours over and over again, <laughs> every lesson. So then that lesson so... is like two hours where it's pitched way too low. And then they'll go to potions and they'll be expected to put together some sort of mad, you know, in potion. And everybody's doing the same thing in every single lesson. I've never seen any any different options for, for children who maybe need a little bit of extra scaffolding. I haven't seen anything to challenge poor Hermione who sits there with her hand up, you know, swallowing textbooks, knows everything, never been stretched in a lesson apart from divination, which she didn't like um, because often, she's not used to being challenged. Well, that's it. Often she she's not even challenged, but she resorts to just doing her friend's work. It's almost like, you know, right, I've finished this piece of work, right, do, just do this next one. It's exactly the same, but it's just worded a bit differently. It's that, and, you know, she gets away with it. And often, um, Snape especially, um, they see her as just an, a bit of an insufferable know-it-all. And it's, yeah. not, um, it's not really until she gets to um, Mad-Eye Moody, really, who sort of challenges her perceptions. And he's not even a teacher. Another one. Another one who's just em- employed just because Dumbledore li- liked him, obviously, it turned out. You know, but that's you get you get what he deserved. Like I feel like Dumbledore deserved that because he's just employing his mates, and then obviously it went wrong. If he'd been through a proper recruitment process, done some interviews, you know, then maybe this wouldn't have happened. Maybe some of there's these things wouldn't have no, happened. There's no DBS system here in places that you know what I mean. Like you're not going to be flagged up on a police check here, so it's no problem that you know you used to like swan about with Voldemort. But I, I would say that Hermione's potentially not learnt one thing. In her entire time at Hogwarts. Do you know what the uh, only th- the only time I would say that she has learned has also come from a time when she wasn't with a teacher. I think you're right in class. I don't think the curriculum ever went beyond the textbook for her. However, um, she was taught how to do apologies potion by herself, and yeah. Harry taught her in Dumbledore's army how to produce a Patronus. Yeah, Harry's the best teacher in the school sums it up really and even if you had learned anything i wouldn't know where's the where's the tracking of progress i have no idea how harry was doing from year one right through i have no idea because there's no tracking of progress i don't know what his targets are he probably hasn't got a clue what his targets are um you know what how did how do these uh, the children know that they're succeeding how do they know where they're going to next i've never seen an, an objective anywhere in any of the classrooms. Um, I walk, you know, if I was an Ofsted inspector walking down the corridor, doing my lovely learning walk with my clipboard, being a clipboard warrior there, I, I would just see pictures of people, portraits, no interactive learning displays, nothing. Staircases move for goodness sake. What kind of place? An accessibility can... school. It's very poor, isn't it? You know, I'm not surprised that JK has not represented any student with a disability. Because no. you know they can't get up half the stairs, unfortunately, and there's no lift. There's no, there's there's no mention whatsoever of anyone having a different ability until you get Mad Eye Moody with one leg, and I'm sure they make a joke about it dragging about. Um, it's entirely um. Oh, it's just awful. But to link back to what you've just said about AFL strategies and things like that, and people being aware of targets, something I wonder is when the owls come in the summer, when they're usually at the Weasley House. Let's be real; she takes on half the children. Um, who've got nowhere to be, bless her. Um, the owls come and they do- deliver these letters of like, these are the books you're going to need this year. 
And then there's always that level of surprise of, oh, we must be getting a new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher this year because this set of books is wild compared to what we used to have. There's no formal announcement of who they're going to be taught by until they get there. And then what level of communication do parents have? Because like you say, children don't seem to be aware of targets, but there's absolutely no semblance of a parent's evening. And there's no semblance of discussing thing with discussing with things with parents and they unless they get a letter home saying that they're being badly behaved. Now we know as a teacher standard in the UK, one of our standards is to be able to effectively communicate and liaise with parents and other adults about children's well-being and progress. So where is that being met here? Because it is still a school within the UK and therefore magic or not, I do think it should be able to adhere to the teaching standards that we have. Yeah, you know, I don't. I never read in the book, or you know, seen on in the films, or if I was walking around Hogwarts, Snape sat at his laptop typing, you know, twenty-four reports. He'd definitely be a copy and paste job anyway. But um, you know, I don't think parents get reports at the end of the year, um, so they're completely in the dark. I don't think they know what what the children are studying at school. I don't think the t- teachers know what the what the program of study is. To be quite frank, um, mm. they just make it up as they go along. Hagrid, Hagrid just randomly brought a, a hippogriff in. I don't think that was part of the curriculum before that. He just made that up. Well, it wasn't. Just Harry says in. we shouldn't be doing that yet. She knows the curriculum better than anyone. Yeah, she's the only one who does. I mean, to be honest, though, Dumbledore doesn't have a clue. He's never there. What, what, what kind of school has a leader who you just go into his office and nobody has a clue where he is ever? Where does he go? What does he do? Well, you know, at this point, we we later learn that he's hunting Horcruxes. But at this point, I do think if you've got something that big to do, I know he's got to keep Harry safe, you know, that one child that he cares about in the entire school. But there's this very odd pattern where, why was there no acting head until he actually disappeared? Yeah, exactly. I mean, to be honest, hunting Horcruxes is a hobby, isn't it? You know, it's not his job. <laughs> You know, I'm not doing maths today because I'm just going to play golf. You know, it's not, it's not, I'm not allowed to do that. And he's not allowed to do that. He can't just, he can't just do that. He's got a responsibility to the children of the school to be, to be on site. He's a leader. He's, he's, he's the head teacher of the school. And so often it falls to McGonagall, who he, he just got lucky with, who's a fantastic teacher, slightly biased, but fantastic, um, to, to sort of sort out his mess. He, he, he as, as a school leader, um, he, he dined on a reputation and, uh, you know, for me, he should have been shipped out uh, long before he was, sadly. Uh, I don't, well, presumably there's going to be no spoilers with Harry Potter anymore. Everybody knows that he died. If he didn't, I'm really sorry about that. Um, but he should have been shipped out long before again. that. You know, he's well past the age of retirement. He was like 900 years old. Um, so for me, he should have gone. Um I feel like we've really hit a raw nerve with you there, so I'm going to take it a bit further and just say that I think as a designated safeguarding lead in the school, Dumbledore failed at every opportunity. Go. Well, I'm glad we're getting into safeguarding and safety now because, um, you know, any school that requires you to run headfirst into a wall as your first interaction with it, for me, is, you know, that's a red flag straight away. Um, And then... You've ran headfirst into a wall. You've got on a train. The train's fine. I've got no problem with that. Um, you go there, you put a hat on, and the hat basically tells you who you are. Um, and that's it. You're judged within 10 seconds uh, at the school, and you're labelled uh, as a certain type of child, and nothing that you can do in the rest of your time at the school can change that. So you may as well not bother anyway. 
because they've told you you are when you get there. Um, there's no opportunities for children to grow. There's none of this like low threshold, high ceiling and sort of learning style. There's just, yeah, this is you. Get on with it. Yeah, do you know what? Nail on the head there. And I think it's interesting, really, because a lot of fan theories have since come out and said, you know, that um, all three of them aren't truly Gryffindors. They're only Gryffindors because they have that brave requirement. However, all of them embody something else. So, for example, Hermione would be your classic Ravenclaw. Um, Harry would definitely be a Slytherin because he's got that leadership, despite having not a lot of ability because people carry him through the whole series. Um, he's a leader. Um, he can clearly delegate tasks. He's quite cunning. He's manipulative. And then you've got Ron, who, despite being a bit of a bully sometimes, let's be real, probably embodies a Hufflepuff more than we care to admit. Um, so it's almost like he's gone, you know what, these all would definitely fit and would fly a lot better in a different environment. But, you know, they're a bit brave, so I want to put these together. And that's yeah. why they're unlikely as a group. They're very unlikely, I'd agree with that. Very, and you know, if we just continue on the uh, on the safety and the safeguarding theme, I think there's one bathroom or two bathrooms. Everyone just jumps in it together. I've got some real. Yeah, I'll tell you what, that. yeah, that prefect bathroom, I have a lot of issue with. If I'm honest, like, you know, you work really hard to become a prefect and someone who has responsibility, and you know, in times of danger, we've seen Percy Weasley um lead a whole set of students a quarter of the school back to safety and what perks does he get he gets a bathroom with about four thousand pips that he gets to use presumably you know both sexes can go into that um because mona well mona mill is a ghost anyway but she absolutely loves it apparently talks pepsi and cedric naked all the time and um, what more do they get do you know what i mean and at a time where you know Boys can't go up into the girls' dorms without the stairs transforming into slides, but apparently, you know, women are more sensible, so they can go into the other one. Um, yeah, they're afforded a bathroom where they can essentially go and uh, chill together. Yeah, which is crazy, and I'm I'm not sure whether you have to be a prefect to have a bath. Like, I, I don't I don't know of any apart from Harry when he was in the uh, in the Goblet of Fire in the Triwizard Tournament. I don't know of any other time when any other student gets afforded the 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 basic requirement of being able to clean themselves is like you you've got to earn prefect status and now you can have a bath and then you can just it's a free for all it's an absolute free for all um again Absolutely. safeguarding just safeguarding is isn't even on the scale of of uh you know unsatisfactory it's immediately should be shut down the school also um there are a lot of secrets in the school. And, you know, we get our safeguarding training and it's the same for schools. And, it's you know, I'm sure it's the same for people working in vulnerable environments. But um, we're always taught, you know, you can't promise to keep things a secret. And if a child chooses not to tell us at that point, we just monitor that um, in case that they choose do choose. And, you know, I've had it before where a child's, you know, come to speak to me and I've said, you know, I can't keep this a secret. If there's someone um, other than me who can help, it would be a really good idea for us to do that, et cetera, et cetera. And then they've gone, no, I'm not going to say. And it eats you up inside. Yet all of these teachers seem to be keeping a lot of secrets. Every single one. Pupils. Yeah, and I find that very, very bizarre. Um, another thing that I take issue with when it comes to safety is that pupils have a very basic, if non-existent, level of safety when it comes to keeping each other's bodies healed and okay, particularly at a time where we have a wizarding world war going on. 
the children aren't taught any safety or any first aid. Madame Pomfrey is in the hospital wing. They get sent there all the time. Yet not once has that woman afforded the opportunity to go and teach first aid classes. So What's... Harry attacks Draco in the bathroom, doesn't he? Does the sectum sempra, cracks his chest open, and Harry just stares there in horror because he doesn't know how to heal a wound. Yeah, and to be honest, Madame Pomfrey wouldn't have any time to go and teach anybody because she's the most overworked member of staff in any school in, in history. Um, when you're talking about safety, I mean, you know, I think the, the most basic thing is let's not let pupils die at school uh, if we can at all avoid it. And there's a serious amount of fatalities or very near fatalities that happen at, at Hogwarts that, you know, for me, is a huge, uh, a huge issue and a huge red flag. Um, you know, said poor Cedric uh, in a yeah. in the Tri Wizard tournament, and then there wasn't really that much of a fuss made about that. It was kind of like, oh, well, you know, he's gone now, so let's crack on. Um, you know, next year just started as normal, uh, and I feel like more should, time should be spent addressing why there are so many serious injuries at Hogwarts and why Madame Pomfrey is having to work so 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 hard. Yeah, and I think I think you're right there. If if your members of staff who are non-teaching staff are some of the most overworked, I'd say that's a huge problem, really, because it's like a you know every member of school staff is important. I think it takes truly a village to raise a child, and I think that phrase sums it up for me because it does take absolutely everyone. But there would be an issue for sure if Ofsted walked into school and saw that someone who was a lunchtime supervisor was working harder than the head teacher. Well, it's not hard and to work harder than Dumbledore, to be honest. Well, that's it. That's what we've got in Hogwarts. We've got a head teacher who, realistically, could be mistaken for just a casual member of staff. Yeah, absolutely. All he does is just stand there at the feasts, get the food out, mutter a few words. Like He's only ever said like four words and it don't even make sense. And then he just sits yeah. down, probably I'll gets tell you what as well, yeah. When we get to the... Uh, speaking of bladder, this is where I'm going next. Um, the man is just inconsistent in what he's got to say. So, for example, in these commencement speeches, he'll, he's a bit like Boris Johnson with the coronavirus, you know, don't go in the forest. But then they get a detention, and what does he do? Go in the forest? He sends <laughs> children into the forest, no clue what they're doing, um, traumatises them. They see a dead unicorn, they see a man drinking blood, um, they see centaurs, and they also just, you know, see the actual nitty-gritty of a forest at midnight um they're there till the next morning presumably they've got lessons the next day so there's no regard there to their well-being at all um and then in terms of leaving the school which we've mentioned before um school trips where are they there's no opportunity really for them to practice their magic outside of school now i'd argue realistically until the later series of the books there isn't a huge threat from Voldemort where they couldn't you know, have some sort of managed area where they could go on a trip. Herbology, why have they never been to any other place? Too busy potting maggots. The land use. Yeah, too busy. Um, you know, Defence Against the Dark Arts is about interesting as they get when they get a bucket brought in. But in terms of trips, where do they get to go? They get to go to Hogsmeade from their third year onwards. Suddenly you need a permission slip for that. Um, you know, you can enter the Triwizard Tournament just fine. And what options have they got when they go to Hogsmeade, Martin? Because they're not learning. What are they doing? Well, they got two. They got. They can either go and get bladdered. They can even go up, get off the red on, on alcohol. 
Um, or they can just get off the red on sugar instead, uh, and that's it, and then come back to school. There's absolutely nothing going on in Hogsmeade. Why do they go every week to the, you know, what's the point? What is the point? There is absolutely no engagement with the community, really, um, at Hogwarts. You know, they're not they're not part of the wider community. They're not uh, engaged with that at all. Um, and they just send the kids off once a week, probably because they all want to go to the pub themselves. That's it. You all, the, the staff are always in the pub when... Uh, what's it called, the pub in, in Hogsmeade? I can't remember, but... Uh, they're always in there when when they go to Hogsmeade. So basically, the staff just want a little drink. So they just everyone just piles into Hogsmeade. That's loads of sweets, all loads of ale, shambles, absolute shambles. Oh, absolutely, it's the three broomsticks, by the way. Oh yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, but um, yeah, I take issue with it. There seems to be not a lot of um, enrichment learning opportunities. And again, I'm thinking back to our Muggleborns here, who in their first year, that's 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 it. They get there in September, and that's them. They can go in for Christmas, but I can only imagine how mental that must be, by the way, that going from a fully magical world to you can't use any magic at all and they're back to, you know, their muggle lives where how do you go and see your friends that you've not seen in a few months and tell them where you've been? Yeah, I know. What what I don't even you have to lie. You have to lie for the school. The school forces you to, to tell lies about who you are. Um which That's for me is quite is a big thing for an odd year old. Um I think we're getting close to time for you here. So we're just going to go on to our last bit, which is the behaviour management section. Um, I have an issue with the fact that behaviour is managed badly within school. Um, there are inconsistent um, giving and taking of house points. It seems that teachers do it to match their own agenda. We know Slytherin had won the House Cup for years before Harry Potter suddenly arrived. Um, and that's 100% because he just gives... Sutherland's at a point and likes to take them away from everyone else. Even McGonagall and Dumbledore are guilty of it. I mean, 50 points to Ronald Weasley for playing Wizard's Chess. Yeah. And, you know, 10 points to Neville for being a, a good friend. What are we valuing here? Yeah, and, you know, when you think about behaviour management, um, the approach is wildly inconsistent. You've got teachers turning people into ferrets and bouncing them around the yard. Uh, Snape, who will just bully and, and rule this classroom with a culture of fear uh, and then people like Hagrid who, who will just give you a big bear hug and, and give you a little pat on the oh, head and tell right, you it's yeah. going to be alright um, let's not forget Lockhart using detentions for a sign in his fan mail yeah I mean what you know you can you can either sign a few a few autographs for Lockhart or you can go and spend an evening in the forest and you you know both of those things are considered to be detentions Um there's just a real lack of policies, you know. They're, they're, for me, they don't have any policies in place that allow staff to know this is what we are, this is what we're aiming to do, uh, and this is what you should do in these situations. So the staff haven't got a clue um, what they should be doing, and because of that, they just make stuff up, completely yeah. make stuff up. I would say perhaps one of the only realistic things that I've found about the school really because, um, you know, we've got a lot of things missing. Teaching is inconsistent. Behaviour management is often very favourable towards their own houses. You know, we've got um, exams are cancelled on the regular and we've got ex exam results are missed. So I wonder how people are going in the residing world. But I'd say one of the things that she did beautifully capture is that there's a lot of disdain towards um, a government with no teaching experience impacting on your school life. Um, and, you know, Umbridge came in 
and she was this high inquisitor and I, I did think you know if she's not going to be this awful character that we know she is it, it is probably about time that someone says you know we need to bring standards up within the school um however it's like fighting with fire with fire here they've got someone who comes in and thinks an effective detention method is to scar the hands of children um, and to ban clubs and enrichment and you know to reduce the amount of time people could spend together she did you know a six feet apart rule herself um you know she was ahead of the time on that one I suppose but um the only thing she probably J.K. Rowling probably hit the nail on the head is that there's a lot of disdain and a lot of negativity towards um a government telling a school what to do when they have no experience of teaching I would say yeah no that's a it's a fine fine point um that you make for sure you know I I Umbridge unfortunately was the wrong person to bring in but I, I don't um I don't think that anybody within the school could complain that people were demanding improvement, um, in my opinion. One of the things that I think maybe the reason why Hogwarts got away with it for so long is because the results, presumably, uh, when they actually did some tests, were, were pretty good. But at, at what cost? Because, you know, Hermione, the brightest pupil that they had, um, she was basically told to go back in time so that she could do more lessons and get more, uh, you know, more hours. Uh, fitted into her day but you know who's thinking about her well-being there who's thinking about the pressure that she was under um, but you know rather than just this drive for her to achieve uh, she was she was left to sort of just get on with that um, and I think that is you know really poor from a mental well-being side of things I do think well-being is something within their curriculum I'll tell you the truth I think a lot of the students there seems to be quite miserable and obviously unfortunately towards the last part of the book where you know three students decide they're just not going to come back um the school absolutely goes even worse it goes to the dogs and you know we're bringing back medieval torture techniques and things like that and you know not one not one parent knows and is able to put a complaint in I find it bizarre that you know hundreds of pupils can be tortured by death eaters and not one parent's aware of what their child's done wrong the only positive from that is that they finally got an opportunity to 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 use the skills that they did learn in a in a in a real life context. That was the, I was racking my brains for positives, and that was the only thing I could think of is that when Voldemort came to town at the end, uh, they finally got to put some of their skills to use, and that was the only real life context for learning that I've seen in the whole the whole uh, series of of books, you know, that that I can remember. I would say so, and like you say, I think it's quite hard for me to find positive experiences from the school and I'd say probably the only thing that does spring to mind is I would say that Professor Lupin embodied a teacher personality beautifully I thought he was very touching um, in terms of his approach to making sure that all children touching is probably the wrong word there I'm, I've, I've put it wouldn't surprise there. me though it wouldn't surprise me at Hogwarts <laughs> but he's the only one who seems to understand the children's needs um We'll never know why Hermione didn't um do the bog at that time, but I'd love to know. But he understands that he's teaching the whole child and not just the curriculum. I think he's one of the only ones that embodied that. But of course, the man was a werewolf, so he's not even perfect himself. Another one of Dumbledore's mates. Yeah, exactly. Um, so to just round us off, I've said would definitely speak to Dumbledore after this and explain. Dumbledore would probably confront them into believing they've seen something beautiful it wouldn't surprise me if they were all brainwashed once they'd seen Dumbledore in his office 
I mean, they've got a lot of people there. Um, you wouldn't see him there. Even if he was being inspected, he'd be out doing his hobby. His hobby. So we'd be in special measures in the school, and I do firmly believe that. Um, and for me, they're we'll lucky. see how it goes. They're lucky to be they in special measures. I just think, you know, with 11 um, magical schools across the world, as J.K. Rowling's now um, committed to, you know, we've got a school in Japan, there's one in Brazil, we know that there's one in Scandinavia in the form of Dernstrang, etc. Um, I do think that Hogwarts would be right at the bottom of the league table, and I am not ashamed to say that or afraid to say that in the slightest. Hogwarts is probably one of the worst wizarding schools known to man. Agreed. And that's where I, that's where I shall lay myself today. Um, Hogwarts is a special measured school and here's why, we've just given you all the reasons why um, any closing thoughts onto this topic? No, grade 4 that's it, uh, I think they're lucky to even be considered special measures, I think there's a long way to go need to start by getting rid of, well you know, he's dead now so that's good um, need to start from the leadership build a vision uh, actually go through some process of appointing people uh, in a rigorous fashion. Um, think about, you know, having some basic curriculum requirements in there. Um, I, I could keep going, um, but I'm not going to. Hogwarts is a load of rubbish. So can I give you one last question and just a yes or no? Go on then. Did the school improve when McGonagall took over as head teacher? Yes or no? Uh, yes. Fantastic. I would I would also say so. Okay, so if you got this far listening to us kicking off and Martin making several jokes that had me laughing um, about Hogwarts being an awful school, congratulations. If we deeply offended you with our Harry Potter opinions, we are sorry. However, we I don't even care. I actually don't care. If you're offended, I don't care. Um, if, if you don't agree with me, you're wrong um, on this. You, that's it. We are right. And that's it. Just as a disclaimer, that's not Martin in the classroom. That's just Martin's Harry Potter opinions. Um, so thank you so much for listening. Um, and we will see everybody next week, won't we, with episode six, Martin, which now won't be a Harry Potter part two. Um, it's likely going to be episode six is going to be linking to what we've been talking about with balance and pursuing your dreams outside of work. And we're going to speak to Sarah, who's been writing a novel um, whilst also working as a full-time teacher. Um, Martin, any closing remarks? No, that sounds fantastic. I'm really looking forward to next week. I'll try and be my uh, a little bit more uh, open-minded to other people's opinions um, next week. Um, looking forward to that one. Should be great. Thanks to everyone again for listening. Uh, if you could keep sharing and reviewing and doing all those things that we like, that would be amazing. Um, but yeah, no, I enjoyed that. Fantastic. And also Harry, Harry Potter's birthday today. So um, happy birthday, Harry. We've just insulted your whole world on your birthday. Um, Speak to you next week. Mm-hmm.